What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the College Underdogs Podcast. I'm your host, Trey Smith, and we have officially reached our 80th episode. 80th episode of the College Underdogs Podcast presented by the Believe Network. Partnered, I should say partnered with the Believe Network. Um, and uh, I guess on streaming, we're 100% presented by them through their platform. But here on YouTube, it's still... Uh, little different but uh, I do have some exciting news coming up as far as a new brand uh, sponsorship advertising partnership whatever you want to call it there's a pretty big company um, that I'm getting ready to do a campaign with right here on the YouTube channel only it's exclusive to the YouTube channel Uh, it will not be on uh, streaming but I'll have more about that as that gets ironed out but a contract is in place um but today, man, I want to talk about a couple things. Uh, we've got obviously Willie Fritz. I'm not going to go through a whole deep dive with who Tulane could replace him with today because some newer things have risen to the surface. Like this started as a Dellinger report. Then I've seen it on the NCAA site, seen it on Football Scoop. But this this new subdivision of Division One football that's being potentially could be proposed. I want to dive into that. I think it's giving us a picture of where college football as a whole is headed. Uh, I also want to look at, there's been a couple, there's been a couple bombshells for the transfer portal this morning, uh, specifically uh, with the American athletic conference. And even just seeing how this new shift in the landscape could impact the coaching carousel could impact the transfer portal even more. So we're going to get into all of it. And um, yeah, so Before we do, though, if you're watching on YouTube, like, subscribe, comment at the end, share it with a friend. And if you're listening on one of the streaming platforms, please leave a five-star rating and a positive review. And um, I would sincerely appreciate that. But with all that being said, let's get to it. So obviously, Coach Fritz, he is officially the Houston's head coach. And right now, here's the first question for you watching on YouTube to put in the comments. Which G5 job is now the most enticing one? JMU or Tulane? Tell me in the comments what your thoughts are and why. JMU and Tulane. My vantage point, I'm going Tulane, mainly because of the facilities, the location, and I would think they're going to have a more significant budget for the next head coach than JMU does but I could be completely off on that. So if you have a little more insight from the JMU side with that, please let me know in the comments. I'd greatly appreciate it. Um, But yeah, so those are, but those are two heavy hitting G5 jobs that are open right now. And quite frankly, what I'm wondering is with the sense and possible threat of there being more separation between the haves and the have nots, according to this new report I'm about to get into, which essentially would separate Division I football into three subdivisions. So you'd have FCS. FBS would become what is now, I think, the the G5. The group of five would become the FBS. And then whatever this new one is called, you know, FAS, as you saw on the thumbnail, the football autonomy uh, subdivision. But as there's more separation there, could we start to see up-and-coming coordinators pass on G5 head coaching jobs waiting for either 
another Power 5 head coaching job to open up or a bigger Power 5 coordinator position to open up. In other words, how could this shift amongst subdivisions with the possible inclusion of a third one, how might that impact this coaching carousel? You know what I mean? Because right now the, the, the path is you have a hot up-and-coming coordinator and they usually get a job at a G5 school, which Tulane and even JMU would be significant landing spots for a hot up-and-coming coordinator. And then they perform well, have success, and leverage that into a Power 5 head coaching job. But we're seeing it already. I mean, Syracuse just hired the defensive backs coach, not even the coordinator from Georgia. We've seen Oregon hire the defensive coordinator from Georgia and Dan Lanning. There's several others that I'm... I know I'm missing, but we have seen plenty of power five coordinator to power five head coach or what in a new aligned world would be a FAS coordinator. Wait for an FAS head coaching opportunity or a bigger FAS coordinator. And obviously when I say an FAS, that's that's the that's the name I'm giving this new possible subdivision, the football autonomy subdivision. Um. So anyways, let me know your thoughts on that. First off, JMU Houston, or I'm sorry, JMU Tulane. And then how could this shift in the landscape impact the coaching carousel moving forward? Uh, Next on my list here is the two transfer portal uh, bombshells I saw before I officially pressed record. One is Trey Moore from UTSA. Man, uh, one of the nation's leading sack leaders, one of the best defensive players in the country. Um, Big hit to that UTSA defense. And then uh, uh, Daniel Richardson, FAU, he started the season as the backup. Then when Casey Thompson went down, he basically finished the season as a starter. So, and I thought he played really well. So he is in the portal. I'm sure that has something to do with Casey Thompson being granted another year of eligibility. So he'll be returning to FAU as of right now and likely will be the starter. But those are two transfer portal hot news items, I guess. So let's, let's do this. So I'm not going to read directly from the report. It's a very dense, very, um, it's got a lot. It's a lot of information I should say. Um, so I'll find the link and put it in the comments or I'll put it in the, um, description if you want to read it. But I mean, like I said, at the top, the NCAA put it out there. It's all from the NCAA's president could, I think it was the NCAA's president, um, some high-ranking administrator from the NCAA is the one proposing this. Um, and essentially, you know, a radical change. This is from at Football Scoop. In radical change, NCAA proposing new subdivision to allow schools to pay athletes directly. So that's basically what the proposal would be, is to give more autonomy to a select group of universities to be able to compensate their athletes directly so here's just some of my cliff notes without going deep into any of these articles which you're welcome to go read for yourself those of you that haven't already read them but essentially what it is as i already put as i've already stated is a new subdivision right so you have fcs fbs right now and this would just be which fas kind of makes sense you'd have fas fbs fcs now, my hope would be if the, if the current FBS became the new G5, essentially, 
I would hope they would adjust their format from a bowl subdivision to a playoff subdivision like the FCS. I think that would be a lot of fun. But anyways, FAS, I don't know, whatever they decide to call it, um, but it's going to grant certain schools more autonomy. So schools are given a chance to opt in, not conferences. All right, so that gives me some questions I want to throw out here on this show and get some of your feedback. If a school chooses to opt in, there is a minimum financial investment, and I believe it's going to a trust that then com- uh, compensates, yeah, provides compensation to student athletes. Again, you need to go read the articles to get the nuts and bolts behind it, but the bottom line is schools can opt in, and if they opt in, they're owed, they, they owe a minimum financial investment every year. Now, this does not guarantee that every team we currently deem a power conference team would opt in. So my first question is, is there a reason why a current power five conference team would opt out of this? Does it make sense for all of them? And and, and I'm mainly talking about the lower tiered teams in some of these conferences. All right, so that's my first question. My second question is, will conferences be required or will conferences have the autonomy to require member institutions to opt into this new subdivision? In other words, you either opt in or you're out. Is that an option? Or will that be an option? And then my other question, really my last question on this is, if a team opts out, one, do they stay and get to stay in their conference? And two, will they receive the same share of revenue? So like if a Wake Forest chose to opt out, and I know right now there's a lot of smoke around the ACC in general being on shaky grounds. And there's even some rumors right now about, just they're rumors right now. Um, but say Wake Forest wanted to opt out because for them financially, the, the return they were getting out of it. Now it may not, may, it may be completely stupid for any team to opt out that has the opportunity to do this. But without me really knowing what all the finances look like, I could see a lower tier team possibly looking at this and going, eh, like, it's not really going to move the needle for us anyways. We may as well just keep the financial investment and put it into our programs instead of into this trust. So if Wake Forest or a team like that were to do that, do they get the same revenue share from the television deal that's associated with the Granite rights with their conference, even though m- most of their conference members are opted into this new subdivision? And then what does that even look like? Can you have a conference sort of with hybrid of teams that are in one subdivision versus another. And then for me, this opens up the conversation of relegation, even though, I mean, I guess relegation, you can't really put that in this conversation now as I, I say it out loud and think about this, because if you're having to essentially pay to be a part of this subdivision, and you continue to make that payment, I guess there would have to see what if there's any other criteria to remain in that subdivision. 
but yeah so so how do you feel about division one football moving to three subdivisions an fcs an fbs and an FAS, and FAS essentially becoming the the power conferences, the autonomy conferences, conferences of schools. Then the FBS would now become what is now the the group, the group of five. You know, you could call it the FUS, the football underdog subdivision, and then of course the championship subdivision. Um, and as I said at the top, my my hope would be that the FBS if it were to become what we know now as the group of five, I hope they would shift the way they do their playoffs because I think you could, you could engage a lot of fan interest there because the FCS, there's not a lot of general fan interest in that because one, they're just not as accessible to watch throughout the season. And then two, most people immediately categorize it as ah, it's not as competitive or whatever you know it's it's lesser talent or, or or whatever but i'll still tune in to the fcs uh games you know once it gets into the playoff season for them but what i'm thinking is is if you've got fbs teams so like let's just say this the new fbs is the american conference the mountain west conference the sunbelt conference the conference usa and the mac and they're all still under their media agreements that they have. So they still get a good chunk of linear coverage along with streaming. So their games are accessible to fans. I think that them competing for their own championship could be a quality product that engages fan interest. Obviously this, this, upper tier this new subdivision which would become like the elite tier the autonomous tier is still going to get the most coverage the most interest the most um revenue and dollars and all of that but i'm saying imagine if you kind of had this hybrid of the things that make the fcs great which in my opinion is there's still a level of purity of the game that's there there's still um um and I know that's going to trigger some people. So let me clarify. I'm not, I'm not saying, I, I don't say that because I'm against student athletes receiving money. I think if a player, you know, if money is being made off a player, a player deserves a cut of that. So like, I'm, I'm not that guy. I'm just saying at the FCS level, there's still a little bit of that. Like they're out there just playing for no other reason other than, you know, the love of the game. Now, Obviously, a lot of those guys are hoping maybe they can shine big enough to get to one of these programs where they can start earning some income. And I have no problem with that. But I'm just saying there's there's still a level of of college football that, you know, I grew up on is still in kind of in that FCS. So if you bring an element of that and I, I bring that up, too, because there's a lot of fans that that's what they want to watch. So if we're talking about fan interest college football is losing a certain demographic of viewership due to NIL and transfer portal that you could rein back in if you have this element of FCS combined with some of the exposure revenue resource elements of this new tier. And so now it's kind of like this, this hybrid subdivision of, okay, we are sort of, 
not really playing for the big NIL dollars. We don't have the same amount of resources. We know year in and year out, we're probably going to cycle through players and cycle through rosters. And that's the other thing I think about is, is in order to build, and this is probably a different episode, but just a quick teaser for a future episode is the way to build a G5 program nowadays off grad transfers and freshman transfers. Think about that for a second. Because if you get freshman transfers, you know you have them in your program at least until they graduate because they can't transfer twice. So you go get a freshman transfer, you know you've at least got them for two, maybe three years. And then grad transfers. Because grad transfers, that's it. That's, and, and for a lot of those guys, you know you're at least going to get them for, you know you get them for one year, but you might get some for two years. So that's a thought to think about as well you know, another thing, how that could impact that, that, that middle division essentially is, is the best way to build these programs by going and recruiting freshman kids, freshman kids in the portal and grad transfers. And of course you still have a high school recruiting footprint, but understanding that at least with these freshmen and these grads, if they have a breakout season, you know you at least got them back. Or at least if it's a grad transfer, if they have two years of eligibility. But if it's a freshman transfer and they have a breakout season, you know you've at least got them until they graduate, whether that's one more season or two more seasons. I didn't mean to tally uh, uh, rabbit trail off into that, but back to what I was saying is is you, you combine the elements of each to creating this new, you know, I don't know, what would the fan interest be there? You, because because to me, I think FCS football would have more fan interest if there was more coverage and ability to sort of build connection with those teams throughout the course of the season. There's just not. They're not on TV. They're barely on streaming unless they're playing a team from the FBS. But if you had, you know, those elements, you know, knowing too at the end of the year you're going to have a similar – similar structure because I think they they have like a is it a 16 32 team I mean they have a pretty pretty significant playoff bracket so I don't know man I don't know or do you just keep fighting for the six plus six five plus seven you just keep fighting for a seat at the table at that new subdivisions in that new subdivisions playoff format right um I don't know let me know your thoughts on all that. That's it for me today. Thank you for watching or listening to another episode of the College Underdogs podcast. I am Trey Smith signing off.